Welcome to the Ambitious Introvert Podcast, created especially for introverts, empaths, and highly sensitive entrepreneurs to help you build, grow, and scale a successful, sustainable business. I'm your host, Emma Louise Parks, business and mindset coach for ambitious introverts. After 17 years working as an air traffic controller, the ultimate fast-paced, high-stimulus, extrovert-friendly role My mission now is to show introverts that they too can create big results and success because of who they are, not in spite of it. I focus on introvert-friendly business and marketing strategy to help you switch overwhelm for clarity, confidence, and clients. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma Louise, and a topic that really doesn't have that much to do with entrepreneurialism today and definitely isn't just for introverts, but something that really piqued my interest as soon as I read the bio of today's guest. So I'm going to hand you over to the lovely Kelly so she can introduce herself and tell you what she does. Hi, I'm Kelly Hopkins and I am a creativity coach, but I don't work with people who are artists on their creativity. I work with non-artists. I work with people who primarily are stuck in some way in their life, and they're kind of looking to clarify their passion and, and, and really unleash their purpose. But from a perspective of not necessarily entrepreneurs, people who feel like they've lost their spark, people who kind of feel like they've lost their joy in life and they're looking to reconnect with themselves primarily. It has a really strong ripple effect across all of their life in terms of their relationships, in terms of their whatever it is that they're passionate about, really, really investing in that. But the tools that I use are creativity. And so drawing, painting, visualization, journaling, And I put together exercises for people that kind of take them on a journey through themselves with those tools. And most people think when they first hear it, I can't do that. I'm not an artist. I can't draw. I can't paint. So that's really something that I wanted to talk about today is this is for everyone. And I think the reason that it spoke to me so strongly on a slight side is earlier on in 2020, I had my human design reading and being a generator, one of the very important things is creating. And it was so funny as I was going through uh, the PDF and the reading and she said, oh, it's very important that you create. It's very important that, you know, you come from your solar plexus and and you create things. And my first thought was, but I'm not creative. Straight away, I'm not I'm not someone that's, you know, into art or any good at drawing. And she actually really got me to turn it around to think like everything you do is create when you write content, you're creating when you're preparing a meal, you're creating. And in that same way, I thought, but, you know, my meals don't look pretty. It doesn't look like something out of a Michelin starred restaurant. Is this a really common thing to feel like if the result's not perfect, we're not creative, so we shouldn't do it? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that it's very anti-creativity, that thought process. But I think that we are encouraged as children to perfect everything we do, you know, and we, we I think that's the same thing. My, my food doesn't look a certain way. And I think that that's something that's my experience a hundred percent 
I was a very creative child. I loved everything creative. I loved to sing. I loved to draw. I loved to act. I loved to do everything. And in certain areas, I got a very strong message from a very early age that I was bad at it. And in particular with drawing, I was in the fine arts track of like your extracurriculars in junior high school. And it was two year junior high school. And so after the first year, they told me, you you can't draw and you can't sing. So we're putting you in the, you know, home ec wood shop, whatever the other, you know, non fine art track was. And I was completely devastated and it, it crushed my creative spirit. I did not draw for years and years. That was, I was, I don't know, maybe 12, 13. I didn't draw again until I was in my thirties, like pretty much at all. I, I just labeled, you can't do that. And I was still creative. I, I was a theater major in college. I had a theater production company, but I completely stayed away from anything with drawing. And, and in my mind, I was terrible at it. It was devastating. I read a story recently, and I'm going to butcher this completely because I don't remember who it was, but it was a female author who had been told that her writing was bad. I think maybe she submitted a short story or sent a manuscript off years before and had been told, you know, this this is awful, you should never write again, and literally didn't write again for 20 years, but had this longing inside her and then decided to write something, I think like a, a novella or somewhat, and sent it off and it got published. And she's now, you know, multi-million pound book deals and sold all re- these really successful books that are really highly critically acclaimed. And it was just that opinion of one person had completely shut her down, but she'd always felt inside that she still wanted to write. Yeah. Oh, there's so many stories like that. And that's what, when I was in my thirties, I had a boyfriend and he said to me, you know, you need to do art. And I said, oh, I can't, I'm terrible at that. And he said, you know, you're an artist. You, you, you have creativity flowing inside of you and and it needs to find an avenue, not just through acting and the things that I was doing, uh, but you, you should draw. And so he commissioned two pictures from me and said, I'm going to pay you. So you have to do it. And I, what I decided when I, what I would do with drawing was just shapes, you know, and he said, I want you to draw your feelings. And I was like, cause he knew that was my jam, you know, feelings. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that. And so I got big fat markers and I just drew my feelings in shapes. And I also, I love Christmas lights. So I poked holes in the back of like foam core and I put the Christmas lights through. So the pictures lit up and they were just shapes of color that were my feelings and lights. And I, it, it, it changed my life because it completely opened up that part of me. And that's really what I work with people on is that I think when you, when you think the way that I thought and the way that you were thinking earlier this year, that you're not creative, you're actually shutting down part of what you have to give to the world in whatever you do, you know, whether you're an online entrepreneur, whether you're a stay at home mom, whether you work in a bank, because that piece of you is a spark of your soul. It's part of your life. It's part of your energy. It's what part of what you have to give, what you're here for. And so when you keep that shut down, you're, you can only operate at like 80%, even if you're killing it, you know? And when you're able to really access that piece of yourself and really integrate it into who you are, then you can be at 100%, whatever you do. 
And so that's really my passion now because I've been doing this. I started it when I was not feeling good about myself. I had quit my job and moved to Costa Rica with my one and three-year-old. And we were living in the mountains in, in the jungle in Costa Rica. And I had been using work to put, avoid things for many years. I had worked like crazy. I ran this huge social services program in Los Angeles. And so when I quit my job, everything that I had been avoiding just fell on top of me. And I started an art connection group with my neighbors and what I started to see was I was healing. They were healing. This creativity was creating something that I had had years of therapy and it hadn't accessed because, and in the research that I've done, there's a connection between your mind and your, your soul, your, your creativity ignites and you're able to get out of your head and get out of your, your thinking and get into this place of, um, connection and you discover new things about yourself that you would never discover through talking or through writing alone. And from a mindset point of view, what I really love in this is as a, you know, modern westernized society, we are very outcome focused. So it makes complete sense that it's like, well, you're not good at this or, you know, it's a waste of time doing it because it's not going to be anything. So don't focus on it. It's not productive. But I love what you said about actually it was just an expression and that's all art is. It's, you know, the great artists don't put something down thinking, oh, this is going to be a masterpiece and people will love it and it will sell for millions of dollars. They express their feelings onto their art, which is exactly what you said. Yes. And I think that I want to be super clear to this day. My art, my, I have a six-year-old daughter and most people say about every single thing I do, did your daughter draw that? Did your daughter paint that? It's so beautiful. And then I say, oh no, that was me. And they're, oh, you know, but it doesn't matter because I hang a lot of my stuff because of what I, what was discovered in that process, what, what it unleashed inside of me, what it revealed to me about my journey and the shifts that I made through doing, because usually what I do is journaling, visualization, and then drawing or painting. So by the time you get through the visualization, there's some new aspect of yourself that you either understand better, you've ignited, you've shifted, something has changed. And so the, the drawing piece is really representative of what came from the exercise, what shifted in you, what new information you got about yourself. So for me, it's such a great reminder of how I'm growing, the ways that I'm learning, what's coming new for me. And it's, my life is completely changed as a result of this. And as well as my clients and, and my neighbors, I still run that group from Costa Rica every Wednesday. I'm not living there anymore, but my neighbors, we've been doing it for years because it, it's so, it feeds everything that we do. What I think will surprise people there, because it definitely surprised me, is that you describe it as getting into your body as like a somatic experience. And I think we tend to think of yoga to do that or, you know, going for a run or some kind of embodiment practice. But I, I would never have thought of art as doing that. But it makes complete sense because it's the same, like when I journal, I do it by hand. I don't type. I write it out because I feel that it's very different energy by actually letting the words flow through my body. 
And there's research to support that. What the research shows is that when you're meditating, you're primarily using your brain. And when you are exercising, you're primarily using your body. But when you are, when what creative expression does is both at the same time. And so it has a really huge impact on that. I have a client yesterday. He said to me, I feel disconnected from my body. So we did, that was the whole thing was like, it was uh, um, relaxation, meditation, visualization, movement with music, and then drawing and moving to music at the same time. And I tape, I often tape my sessions and then edit them and send people the, the exercise so that they can do it again. And he was like that completely opened him up in a new way. And he's like, I am going to keep doing this like at least a few times a week because it's changing my relationship with my body. Would you like to learn how my introverted and sensitive clients and I grow our businesses, market ourselves online daily and stay energized while doing it? If so, then my free 49 introvert friendly marketing tips ebook has all the details. It contains everything I've learned from the last two years of online business, all the sneaky little ways you can make sure that your content value is out there working hard at promoting your services, even when you're busy at home introverting. So if you're an introverted or sensitive entrepreneur who finds social media marketing training, but knows that showing up equals sales, if you're tired of the trendy tactics and you want some sound proven principles that actually work in the long term, and if you want simple ways of making sure that your online presence is working hard for you 24-7, then get your free copy at www.emmalouiseparks.com slash ebook. The link's in the show notes. It sounds very much like, I don't know if you've read the book Flow by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. No, I haven't. Okay, it's a great book. I'm not going to spell Chick Sent Me High. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but I believe he won a Nobel Prize for the research in it. And it was about getting into this flow state where you know, time disappears and you're so focused on what you're doing, but in a good way that he, he said, like, you know, people, concert pianists, for instance, they'll be so in the moment and in the flow of what they're playing that, that nothing else exists. And what you're describing really reminds me of that. And that concept of flow and the research behind it, that I'm familiar with. I just haven't, I haven't read his book, but yes, that's definitely part of what um, I was experiencing and then I was able to find a name for it and understand that it's something that the, the National Institute of Health here in the U.S. has done a lot of research around creative expression and the impact on mental health. And there, the, the flow state is a big part of that, how that and, and what comes out of that, what comes out of entering into that flow state in terms of your capacity. So we chatted a little bit before we hit record just about the outline of what we discussed today. And, you know, the words that that were coming up were like stuck and stagnant. And I think everyone can relate to that at some point in their life or a relationship or a career or their health or, <clears throat> excuse me, something along that vein, because it's such a, when you feel stuck, it's not like anything else, is it? It's not like, oh, I'm depressed or I'm anxious. It's like, I am stuck. I'm rooted to the ground and I just don't know what to do next. And is that the kind of feeling that you find people come to you with? 
Yes. And I think in 2020, you know, to a certain degree, everyone is stuck. And so I think that this year and being physically restricted has caused people to, to come into contact with that sense of being stuck in a new way. And like for people where they move to get away from their stuckness, so they're constantly busy and they're constantly in motion. This has been like a bat in the face, you know, and, and so many people, so many of the people that have reached out to me ha- have, have expressed that sense of almost like I can't hide from myself anymore because I'm literally stuck, you know? And so I think that that's actually been a positive benefit of COVID is that for many people, they are unable to avoid the things they've been avoiding within themselves because that's what we have. We're, we're really getting in touch with ourselves this year. And so for me, that's been a great opportunity to help people move through that stuck piece and be like, yeah, so these parts of your life are working great. This part is really stuck. And now you know that so you can do something about it, you know? So it is, it, it's uncomfortable, but it's actually fantastic because when you get unstuck, which you absolutely hundred percent can do, you're going to be in such a better place than if this had never happened, you know? It's definitely been a big mirror to reflect, hasn't it? It reminds me of the fact that when we get ill, the fact that disease comes from dis-ease and a lot of people believe that it's a way of forcing us to stop doing what we do and and take to our bed. And then you, you can't help but confront those feelings or that discomfort. So it reminds me very much of that. And, and yeah, some people have thrived during the pandemic and some people have really, really struggled. For sure. And obviously there are so many things that are outside of people's control that have influenced them in a negative way in terms of job loss and the economy and all of that. And so, so those pieces obviously are not about you personally being stuck, but frequently what will happen is it will still end up revealing that underneath that even though that outside thing that outside influences what what appears to be making you stuck underneath that is a personal experience that puts you in the same place so for anyone listening that this has piqued their interest and i think it will for a lot of people if they're anything like i was they'll probably be like oh get creative great this sounds good i haven't done that for ages and then sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and go i feel really stupid I actually don't know what to do. So what kind of things would you suggest for someone just starting out who needs to be a little bit kind to themselves, wants to take this pressure of judgment off? What what would you say they should begin with? Well, I would say um, one of the first exercises that I have people do is to manage their feelings with uh, creativity. And so a lot of times what happens is you'll have an, a, an interaction, something from the outside will kind of upset you, you know, like maybe you, you have an argument with someone, you have a frustrating situation at work, you have, you know, COVID you're trapped in your house, you know, something that, that triggers you. And then the moment passes, but the feeling doesn't, and it's lingering on you, you know, you, you're, cause really um, feelings in, in our brain, they're supposed to last 90 seconds. And you know, how often does that happen? <laughs> Almost never. 
because because our thoughts continue to perpetuate the feeling. But but in terms of the brain research, they're only supposed to be 90 minutes long. So it's a fluid thing that's supposed to move you through your life. And so it's about interrupting those thoughts that are continuing to exacerbate a feeling that is no longer happening in this moment. And so there's two pieces to this exercise. The first one is, is just to write, to journal, you know, and the whole thing can take less than five minutes. Just journal about how you're feeling and don't think about it. Just write. And again, like you said, I, I never, I didn't, when you said, I don't type my journal, I'm like, well, who types their journal? Like that doesn't even, it, it's not even in my mind as a concept. This is a piece of paper and a pen writing on the paper, just a blank paper like you'd have for your printer. And then you can have crayons, markers, colored pencils, nothing fancy. Everything I do is not fancy because it's not important that the product is not the, the, the outcome is not what's important. It's the process. So once you journal, and sometimes if I'm really mad, I'll just write the same curse word all the way down the page. That's my whole journal. And then flip it over. And on the other side, just close your eyes and try to get in touch with those feelings and really, really try to enter into them and maybe, you know, breathe into them. And then imagine if they had a color or colors and what would it be? And just sit with that and watch those colors and see them because they'll move differently based on your feeling. The colors that you see will have an energy and a movement to them. And then once you really see and, and can attach your feelings to those colors and you see them move in the way that your feeling would move, the next piece is, do they have a shape or a form? And that could be realistic or could be totally unrealistic. And once you can see your feeling, your current feeling as colors and a shape or a form, like a picture, then you open your eyes and just draw it. And don't think about it, just draw it. And sometimes it's really, especially if you're mad or something, it's just a lot of ah, and that's okay. And, and then once you finish drawing it, so one side of your paper has your, your words about it. The other side has your drawing, destroy the paper. So you can tear it up and throw it in the air, but then for some people that makes a mess, that's no good for them. So you can crumple it up. Some of my clients really like fire, so they'll burn it, but you destroy it. And when you, when you're doing the drawing, you really want to just like all those feelings, put them into the paper and then destroy it. That one works really well. So now that you have discovered this creativity, it's obviously become a huge part of your life and been really life-changing. Is it something that you undertake daily? Absolutely. And it's something I do with my kids. So my kids are six and eight, but they've been expressing themselves in this way since they were, you know, like two and four. And so my son, when he gets upset, he will go straight for the paper and the markers. And, you know, obviously for me, expressing your feelings is really important. So I don't want him to not express his feelings. So he'll cry, he'll, you know, whatever, whatever's going on. But then where they're stuck on him, he'll go and get the paper, he'll draw it, and he'll bring it to me afterward. And we talk. So the journaling part is more of talking. So we'll talk talk through it. And then he likes fire. So we burn his a lot. And uh, that, that experience, it, all of the exercises that I do with people, I've used myself and I do use regularly. So the, I, it's something I do every day. Absolutely. It's interesting when you were saying that I had this flashback to kind of being told like, Oh, don't do too much coloring in here. Cause you'll make a mess or don't, you know, don't play with glitter because I'll have to hoover it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So I think that's really interesting from from a child point of view as well. It's not something that always fits in with adult expectations. That's true of feelings too, though. You know, mm. many people as, as a child are told, you know, it's not okay to be angry. It's not okay to be sad. And all those things get stuffed inside. So, so many of my clients are processing old feelings too through the exercises that we do because they were told as children not to express themselves. And so that's for me really important with my kids to allow them to express their feelings and then have a way to release them and really move forward without stuffing them inside. That's something that's going to resonate a lot with my audience and clients because obviously being introverts and highly sensitive entrepreneurs, especially as children, a lot of the things that come out is I never, I didn't feel understood. I was told that, you know, I didn't want to go to the party. I wanted to stay home and play on my own. And I was told, you know, just go and be friendly, stop being antisocial. And, you know, so almost the opposite really of having to fake these feelings, um, but really not feeling understood and heard because we do get upset or emotional about things in a different way to people we feel very deeply and being told as children you know oh just get over it you shouldn't be so upset about that what are you crying about you know your sister doesn't care that kind of thing so I think that that's a really important lesson I think too for introverts this process is great because it is a personal individual process. It's not about, it's not for sharing. It's not for, you know, it's not, it's really about your relationship with yourself and, and digging deeply into your creativity. And so that seems like, especially if you have things that you're not expressing and you need an avenue for expressing them and you're, and you don't prefer to do that with other people, it's a great, it's a great process. I think it's a great counter to, you know, I talk a lot about visibility. That's why I coach people mainly on is getting visible so that they can grow their business, but doing it in a way that feels good and doesn't leave them exhausted. And there is still some resistance for a lot of us about sharing too much online or being out there all of the time. So yeah, I agree. I think having a practice where you can go, this is just for me and it's just coming from my brain and it's coming out of my hands and it's not to share with anyone, but it's just for my own, my own good. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. I love that. So Kelly, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you to recommend a book that you think would serve my audience well for starting or growing their online business. So the first book that popped into my mind, it was written by a coach of mine that really was instrumental in me taking these activities that were personal and private and turning it into a way to, to serve. And his name is Coot Blackson and his book is called you are the one. And it's all about how you each person is the one and, and how you discover that within yourself. And so for me, that was the beginning of my journey as an entrepreneur was really seeing how my passion and my purpose should be my life's work. Perfect. I love that. So I'll pop that book recommendation and all of your contact details and links in the show notes. But where is the best place that someone can look you up online? The best place is my website, which is soulartexploration.com. Perfect. I'll pop that in along with everything else. And Kelly, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma Louise Parks. If you enjoy this show, please, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, one lucky reviewer each month will win a 60-minute one-on-one coaching session with me, where you'll get the clarity and confidence to attract your ideal clients. And if you know someone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share. 
and help me reach as many fellow ambitious introverts as possible.